Hi everyone, this is Anna from the Don't Mind Me podcast. Whether this is your first time listening or your 20th time, thank you. My prayer is that this podcast will encourage you, whether you are in a mountaintop season or in a valley season. Before we get into today's episode, I did want to ask you just two things. Number one, if you enjoy this podcast, please share it. Share with your friends, share it with your neighbors, share it with anyone that you think might be encouraged by it. And second, please, if you haven't already, go ahead and give us a five-star rating, as this will definitely just ensure that even more people will get to see it and listen to it. Thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Don't Mind Me podcast. Uh, this is Anna from the Don't Mind Me podcast. I'm super excited because today I have another Kramod family member joining me. I have uh, the father of Alana in Garrison, Greg, joining me. Greg, go ahead and say hello to everybody. Hello, Anna. I feel like I'm talking to my family. <laughs> I seriously feel like I'm talking to my family as well. It's always a blessing to get to talk to you guys. Um, I'll briefly say how I know the Grimauds, I think I've talked about this a few times, but Alana, their daughter, was one of my best friends in college and is still one of my best friends to this day. Um, I actually really had the opportunity to kind of invest in Alana's life at a critical time. Um, and I remember, Greg, like my first interaction with you was a thank you letter that meant so much to me at the time. I've never forgotten it. Um, you met me briefly and sent me a thank you on Facebook just about... Um, you know, the impact that I had on Alana's life. And I said, you have no idea the impact she's made on my life. So um, that being said, you know, you guys have had a huge impact on my life since then, just your family, um, you know, Alana Garrison, uh, Danica, everybody, you and Suzanne. Um, I just love your family, but I'd love for you to go ahead and tell everybody a little bit more about you. Wow. Well, I didn't think I was going to be tearing up this quick in the <laughs> podcast. And uh, <laughs> I, we we love you and your family and the feelings mutual and and I do remember the impact you had on my daughter and as a parent there's nothing more important than the things that are sewn into his to your children so I'll say again thank you for your life you have massively massively impacted my daughter who has just ignited Alana speaking of my oldest daughter Alana who's just ignited her roots deep into the into the faith so thank you. So yes, I'm 61. I've been married 35 years. I have three amazing, on-fire, passionate children who are 27, 26, and 23, two girls and a boy. They haven't always been this way. They've been like a little bit like their dad. Some of them have gone uh, the way of the prodigal and come back. Not all of them, some of them. But uh, God has been faithful and answered our prayers. I, I personally, Anna, was raised in a godly Christian family. My dad was 20-year military Air Force pilot, so we were all over the place. I was around aviation. I loved aviation, so I gravitated toward it. I ended up going in the Air Force and being an instructor pilot in T-38s myself for seven years yeah. before getting out with my wife, Suzanne, and coming to Oklahoma City to go into business at the age of 30. Wow. Now, the interesting, yes. Now, the interesting <laughs> thing is, is during that time, our family was the one that, that probably like yours, if the church doors were open, we were there. We just were. You were expected to be there. I was raised my my i had i had blessed to have godly loving moms and dad who nurtured poured in and lived christ in the home hmm. because 
the Lord needed knew I needed that. Even with that, uh, at an early age, I stumbled, struggled with it as a male with pornography and things that would, you know, still are just ravaging our society. God freed mm -hmm. me from that at age 42. Hmm. So, from, you know, so from, I would say I became a believer and accepted Jesus around 12, which I did at a camp altar at six. I became a disciple at 42. There's a massive wow. difference. So mm -hmm. a believer, you know, is not walking by the power necessarily of the Holy Spirit. So uh, for me, at age 42, let me just fast forward through the Air Force and business life and just say at age 42, flying a small plane over Alabama at 6,500 feet by myself, I almost got knocked out of the sky. My heart was dark. I was struggling with pornography on and off. I didn't like that I was, but it would be that on off super, super ball mm. kind of bouncing thing. Uh, I didn't think I was ever going to be over. I thought it was always going to be a thorn in my side. And when the plane incident happened and knocked me out of the sky, almost knocked me out of the sky, I just realized I was close to going to eternity at that moment without knowing Christ because my heart honestly was dark at that time. Hmm. Uh, it took six months of asking the Lord, will you change me? And laying in a bed on a Sunday night, December 5th, 2004 at 10 p.m., after six months of, of, of asking him, will you change me? By the way, I didn't tell anybody about the aircraft close call. I just kept it between me and the Lord. Mm. And after six months, the Lord said, do you really want to change? He spoke that in my heart. He asked me five things. Are you willing in this order? Because my priorities weren't in whack. Are you willing to give up your airplane, your family, your business, your workout routine, your Hummer, believe it or not, because that a brand mm. new H2 is all about pride. So mm. he asked me those things. I said I would, the voice stopped, and the next morning, he said, today's the day you come clean. And, and the bottom line is, he started walking me in out of repentance, and mm. I'm into, into repentance and into mm. restoration. It was not an easy journey. Uh, I came completely clean, became a man of integrity that day, got spirit-filled, honestly, became a disciple, and that's when I really leapt off the throne of my life, allowed the Lord to come on, and he just so gently took my wife and I through a restored marriage. I should honestly be divorced, honestly. And my mm -hmm. wife chose to stick through me, through my stupid things. And it really mm -hmm. is my wife's prayers, my family prayers, that why I'm even sitting here today. But from 42 to now, I can tell you the last 19 years have been on fire. Mm -hmm. I don't. That's the most I talk about the dead man in the grave. There's no need to look at him. He's not even me. He's dead mm -hmm. and gone. So, uh, so let's get into the new. <laughs> well, and I'll just say real quickly, Jesus. like, I've, yeah, I mean, I've heard like bits and pieces, um, because, you know, Suzanne, your wife wrote a book and writes about some of the struggles that you guys had early on. Um, but I mean, I remember when I met Alana and she would talk about you and she would just say, my dad just loves Jesus. Oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was just. I, she just said like how much you cared about other people, how much you love the Lord. There was never anything, but my dad just loves the Lord and genuinely cares about other people. And so I know that when you and I were discussing kind of what you talk about today, I told you that one thing I knew about you is that you, um, the way that you've run your business, the way that you, even just your personal relationships, you kind of go into each day um, with this certain mindset. And I remember that really impacted me. And so I'd love for you to talk about that. And I know you mentioned 
that marketplace ministry, right? So like building connections in the places where you are is really important to you. So I'd love for you to talk about kind of your heart for that. Sure. I would love to. Let me just say um, it kind of evolved over the last really 19 years. Again, when the Lord changed my life, uh, first he dealt with the root issues in my life. He transformed me. And then, and then I started to understand that I couldn't just walk around and not share this incredible Jesus that has so mm -hmm. radically transformed me. So I would literally, and, and I was also devouring the word. I was just couldn't get enough of the Bible. You know, he puts that desire in us when he comes in us. And I'd never uh, wanted to get in the Bible like I had then. So I started carrying it with me. How It kind of it evolved by carrying my Bible everywhere I went. And I remember, I remember when I first started carrying it, I mean, everywhere. And it wasn't because I was trying to say, I'm going to go preach on the corner and here's the Bible. It's because I wanted to get in the word myself and I didn't want any spare time to go by without him feeding my spirit. Mm -hmm. so, so, so wherever I was at, I would take my Bible in and read and just start reading. Now, when I, when I, I have to say this, when I first started doing this, I remember the weird quirky lie of the enemy saying it felt unnatural at first. I remember feeling nervous about it. What are people, I, I remember having these thoughts. What are people going to think? Oh, they're going to think I'm that religious guy, you know, and, and I it took about a month of getting over that, of, of just doing it and getting over it where I started to realize the Lord started speaking to me and go, Hey, your, your identity is me. Your identity is not even a book and a per is you in a book. Your identity is me. So people started seeing the reality and they started of, of who I was in Christ of me truly and genuinely asking them at the end of meals, hey, I know you don't know me, but is is there anything I can pray with you about? And this is kind of how the marketplace ministry thing started. And so I would just ask him, is there anything I can pray with you about? You know, and I surprisingly of the hundreds and hundreds of people, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands over over this period, I think I've heard no less than five times. I want you to think about yeah. that. It, it's and this is this is before people were even fearful of the post COVID era, the war. I mean, we've always had things, but fear and anxiety has never been at the level it is now. So people are just looking for the hope that we carry. So mm -hmm. marketplace ministry for me, honestly, started by God putting a, a desire in my heart to want to share Jesus. I would go into the places with my Bible. And then and then kind of another key thing, I, I really would ask Holy Spirit before leaving the house. I started doing this actually this part about five years ago, not very, very fairly frequently. I started asking him, who is it you want to intersect me with today? This, this is as I matured in the Lord. I started asking him. So when I go out in the morning, I'll hmm. go out. Into, I live in Oklahoma City, a large metropolitan area, but, you know, pretty much stay around my five mile ring. So when I go out into the area, I'll ask them, hey, who is it we're going to meet today? I look forward to, to seeing who you're going to intersect me with, with Jesus. And then I just am intentionally waiting and listening and looking for that opportunity. And he does it. Hmm. He does it. So uh, when he does it, first thing I you know try to do, Anna, is be intentional about their name. You know, people tell me, I heard this this morning at breakfast with one of my best friends, Randy Allsbury, and, and our, I, was, I was sitting at breakfast with a, a councilman, our, my, my city councilman, and he says, 
Greg is so good with names. And I told him, you know, I said, you know, I haven't always been that way. I asked, I wanted to get to know people relationally. It starts with knowing somebody's name. And so I started asking the Lord, number one, to help me remember their name. And then I started writing it down, you know, in just a little book I have. If I met, you know, just being intentional when I first heard it, because relationships starts with that. And what I found in marketplace ministry, you are in, if you go to a place the first time and you hear somebody's name and you write it down, for instance, let's just use Waffle House for lack of better terms. <laughs> you go into a Waffle House and someone serves you and her name is Anna and you've never met her. And so nice to meet you, Anna. I go to the car when I'm done and I just write it down. Waffle House, Anna, beautiful mm -hmm. blonde hair with a smile. And I write it down. <laughs> So when I come back to that place the next time, I just glance at because I really don't remember her name most of the time when I come back the first time. I go mm. to it and I look at it, but then that memory jogger, I go in and they see me. And I say, Anna, it's so good to see you. You are instantly, instantly elevated to a place of you cared enough about me to remember my name. Mm. And it opens that door into their life. It's a starting point to open that door into relationship where we can share Christ. And it reminds me of that verse that says like he, or I think he says this a lot throughout the Bible, like he has called us by name. Oh yeah. Right. So, like as you were talking, the Lord was just bringing that to my mind like, by name. Like if he right. didn't know my name, if I was just one of the million people um, on the planet, I would not, I don't know, would I feel like I have this relationship with Christ? I, I probably wouldn't in the same way because I'd be a nameless face to him. Um, and so, like you said, I mean, it is so much like Jesus to see people to know their name and to call them by that rather than my waitress at Waffle House was great today by saying, you know, my waitress Anna was great at Waffle House. He's so personal. And, you know, it makes me, you saying that, Anna, it makes me think of Revelations 3, the verse that talks about, I will give you a white stone with a new name written on it, known mm. only to you and me. So mm. in other words, when we're in heaven one day with all the billions of souls that have been there, he's going to call your name and it's not going to be another Greg. It's you and everyone in heaven is going to know my word. It's him and it's you. That's how intimate he is. It's mm. very exciting. And have you, you know, I'd love to hear, do you have like maybe just one story that stands out to you from the years, like, especially when it comes to the restaurant industry, right? Where you became, you got to know somebody really well or something. There are so many, but I will give you, I will give you a fairly current one about a year ago. I was in a place called Metro Diner that I like to go on Mondays. And there was a gentleman there named Ben. He was about 42. He'd only, uh, he hadn't waited on me very often. I did know his name, but maybe this is the third time in a year he had, he had waited on me. And I really didn't know him very that well. I knew he wasn't a believer, right? So I went in there and uh, I had my coffee and I sat down and I said, by, just me now, just me and my Bible. Ben, I'm the first one in the restaurant. I open at eight o'clock. They opened at eight. I'm the first one in there sitting in a booth. Ben comes up and says, Hey, what can I get you to drink? I said, I'd like some coffee. He walks to the back and I asked Holy Spirit, will you show me your heart for Ben? And I heard in my spirit ever so softly, Anna, mm -hmm. New Jersey, just gentle. 
I knew nothing about then. And I said, I said out loud to Jesus, I said out loud, that can't be right. <laughs> and then I heard it again, hmm. New, Jer New Jersey. And I said, okay. Ben comes back to the table and I looked at him and I said, Ben, can I ask you a question? He said, yes. I said, does New Jersey mean anything to you? He looks at me and he says, yes. I'm I was born in Princeton, New Jersey. I'm actually moving back there in three weeks. I haven't even given my notice yet. And I looked at him and I said, I looked at him and I said, Ben, do you know why I asked you that? He said, no. I said, and I told him what I'm telling you. I said, I asked him, I, 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 I asked you that because I asked Jesus to show me his heart for you. And he revealed that to me. Why? He wants you to know God is real. He loves you. He sees you. And he wants you to be a personally related and connected to him. Tears hmm. filled his eyes. Now he didn't, it's just what happened. So we finished, he went back, he came. Actually, I think at that point with Ben, as I recall, I said, Ben, can I just pray for you now? Would that be okay before you get busy? And he said, yes. And so I prayed with them and then, and then it went on. And I have to, I have to say this too, one other thing with Ben in particular. So Ben, since I knew he was leaving in three weeks and, and he wasn't a believer, hmm. uh, I was burdened for him. I went and bought him a Bible, Passion Translation. I found out his name from the manager and I put it in a box and I wrote on the inside cover something. And I said, Ben, this is my cell number. If you ever need anything, please hmm. don't hesitate to call me. And I put it in the box and his last day of work, I went to him. I said, Ben, this is a gift for you. He said, he thanked me. And then he, you know, he left the establishment the next week back to New Jersey. I never heard another thing from him. Now, Anna, I, I expected, a you know, expectations. I fully thought a text, hey, thank you for the book. You know, I'm in New Jersey now later. And I didn't hear anything. And I started getting burdened by this before him because I was hoping mm -hmm. he would connect and we could, I could pray with him more, but that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And I started getting burdened. And I asked my wife one night, uh, we were talking about this about two or three weeks after Ben went back. And I said, I haven't heard anything from Ben and I'm really burdened for him. I prayed for him that night, Anna. Now I'm not one that has a lot of dreams and remembers a lot of dreams. I've been having them more lately, frankly. Hmm. That night I went to bed and I had a vision in my dream of Ben as an old man, like 85. And he was laying in a hospital bed and he over him, he was clutching the Bible that I'd give him on my chest. Hmm. And I woke up and I lost it because hmm. the Lord said to me, you don't have to worry about Ben. I'm going to get him home. Hmm. So, I have so many about, chills. <laughs> I know I can't even hardly talk about it without tearing up. That's what God is doing uh, day wow. by day by day by day. It's, a, it's, it's amazing. And he wants to do that in his body more and more, more and more and more. That actually reminds me of, um, I went to high school with somebody and I, I had never really had this happen before, but we had ordered a couple of Bibles and we got an extra one. My mom's like, you know, what should we do with this Bible? Is there anybody? I just feel like maybe you might have some iron in your heart. Is there anyone you can think of? And the Lord told me right away who to give this Bible to. And there's somebody at my school and I said, I'm 
feel like I need to give it to them. Now, I don't know how to get it to them. I don't know if I, I can't go put it in their car or something. I don't have their car keys. I'm not really sure the best way to go about it. So what did we end up doing was taking it to the school office. I wrote a note in it um, and said like, you know, hey, I, I really hope that this would encourage you. I just, we got an extra Bible and I thought of you. Later, I'm hearing about, you know, the impact that it made on his life, but I didn't even know at the time. I had almost completely forgotten that I'd even done that. Um, and so that kind of reminded me of the same thing. You don't, you know, the Lord leads us to do things and we don't always know the impact that we're going to have, like while we're here on earth. But I do believe that one day when we go to heaven, we're going to see those people that we prayed for or that we um, pursued like in our lifetimes there and they're going to be smiling and they're going to know, hey, there's Greg. Hey, there's Anna. There's Suzanne. There's Alana, right? There's Kathy. There's Steve. And we're going to say, you made it here. And they're going to say, yeah, because you smiled at me. You said my name. You gave me a Bible, right? It, it just, I don't know. I, I love that you said that. It just made me think of that story. Oh, that's beautiful. Beautiful. I'll give you one other quick one on that. Mm -hmm. uh, I went in, and I'll use different names. I'm going to make up the names on this story <laughs> because uh, it might be, a, uh, you know, uh, for obvious reason. I went into a coffee shop not long ago uh, that I go into every now and then. Actually, actually, this is the very first time I went to this coffee shop. And I went in, there was a young man there. Never remember his first time I've been in there. And he was up at the register, probably 20 years old. And I walked up there and I had my Bible in my hand. And he said, what are you reading? When I got my coffee said, what are you reading? I said, it's my Bible. I said, it's my Bible. He says, well, what are you reading in there? Hmm. And I said, actually, I just read this. And I opened up to Isaiah. I can't even remember the scripture. And I said, I actually just read this, right? And I read it to him. And he said, what is that? And he grabs a post-it and he writes down the Isaiah, what? And he writes it down. And, and, he, and, he, and I said, I'll tell you what, John, we'll just call him John. Hmm. I said, John, I just want you to know. Uh, and this is all I said. I want you to now, now, before I say this, there was one other barista in the coffee shop, kind of halfway, not paying attention, a young girl who we'll call Mary now, who I got to know later, uh, mm. kind of new age, picture a new age looking yeah. young 20 year old. And, uh, you know, that, and, and she's kind of halfway listening to what I'm saying to John. And so I said to John, I said, yeah, John, I said, you know, Jesus is real. When I was 42, I was, a, and that's all I said, I was a liar, thief, and an addict, and God radically changed me. When hmm. I said that, Mary stops what she's doing. She comes over. She looks me in the eye. She says, both my parents were drug addicts. I'm in recovery right now. I go every week, you know, to that. And I said, Mary, I'm so proud of you that you're going to the meetings. Can I pray with you? She said, yes. And hmm. the Lord just opened the door that quickly to to uh pray over them to love on them and 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 to sow seeds and both of them became personal friends they still are wow. personal friends of mine matter of fact john was sleeping in his truck behind the coffee shop uh about three weeks ago with a broken truck and i went to wow. kind of help him get that taken care of you know that's how bad it was so wow. that's but god is good he's he wants us to be mm. salt and light and, mm. and he wants to increase that and he's placed us in the communities that we're in for a reason. And yeah. I know one other thing I wanted to talk to you about was you had expressed to me as well that one thing that you guys are currently doing is investing in young people um, in your community. I don't think it's just through your church, 
But I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about your heart there, because, you know, the way that I look at it is, you know, I, my parents are around your age. They're slightly older than you are, but, um, you know, the kids are like, we're out of the house, we're getting older. We aren't, uh, we don't need them, you know, maybe as much anymore. Um, and so I think that finding young people to invest in, you know, you guys have so much wisdom to give. Um, and so tell me a little bit about that ministry. Oh, that is my wife, Suzanne, and I are so passionate about what we call sons and daughters of the king. And that's any that's not necessarily a believer or non-believer. That's all of his children. So, so we are passionate about it. So how that started to evolve was, I guess, about first of all, let me let me back up and say you and I both, again, we're best, we're blessed with mm-hmm. godly. Christian parents that modeled what a family is supposed to look like, an interdependent family. Think of a family circled, holding hands, looking into each other interdependently. So if something attacks that ring from outside, you are looking at the other member interdependently in this circle of strength, and you have each other to go to in prayer and strength and support. But imagine that you don't have that, like a lot of society doesn't now. Your parents were divorced, and maybe one of them is not involved in your life and there's brokenness and they needed they need healing and you're a product of all that. Hmm. This is everywhere. So the Lord started laying on our hearts to love on these that are in that area and he started bringing to light to us especially for me daughters. I have a massive massive heart for daughters. I I I think part of it might be is cuz you know our society set, looks at women in a sexual mode so much that when they are approached by a man and they realize he is not really looking at me with wrong eyes. He is looking at me with fatherly eyes. Hmm. Like God sees me as a daughter. It, it attracts them. They see that Jesus and they're drawn to the real love, that agape love, that, that father to son and daughter love that God expects us uh, hmm. as believers to be. So, for us, about three years ago, Anna, the Holy Spirit dropped into both my Suzanne and I about the same time. He started saying, start asking me for sons and daughters. That's how it started. So it was his seed, right? And you know when he plants a seed, it's going to grow. So that's the first thing we were like. So I remember going to Suzanne and saying, Suzanne, I think we're supposed to start praying for sons and daughters. You know, and she said, okay. So it started there. Then God started bringing them to us, Mm. believers and non-believers. But in particular, he really started bringing us sons and daughters that were believers that wanted to become disciples. Mm. So, So we started praying and asking the Lord to give us 12. You know, you think 12 worked for Jesus. Let's try 12. (laughs) <laughs> started asking God to bring us 12 sons and daughters. We lived for 12 and, and the Lord started doing it in restaurants, a few in, from a church, a few here and there, just out in the, mar- you know, out in the marketplace. Before you know it, we, we, we had this list of 12 that we said, would you like to be involved in a, in a gathering at our home where we, you know, these are believers now that, that I would put them in my pre age 42 category. It believers, mm-hmm. but not not all. Some of them are. Some of them are disciples. I don't want to say they're not, but most of them were on this journey that want to go deeper. Like you and a lot of were in college, mm-hmm. really. 
you know, especially Alana, I'll speak to Alana, I know my daughter, that, <laughs> like she became in, in college. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we got this list, we invited them, we started opening our home on every other Thursday, tw basically twice a month. Suzanne fixes a big meal, we meet in the house, we come together from 6.30 to 9, and they hang around an extra hour after that. We do what Acts 4 talks about, devoted themselves, I think Acts 2, maybe Acts 2 or 4, one mm -hmm. of them, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. That's the formula for building a church. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so that's what we do when we brought them together. And these, these sons and daughters have just gone deeper and deeper, not only in community, with, in relationship with God, but in community with each other. Covenant with God always vertically breaks out into covenant with each other. You can't have one right. without the other. That's his heart. So mm -hmm. that's what he's doing. And I don't, and I see that not just in us, Anna, I see him doing that in the body that he is bringing, you know, he is unifying the body today more than I've ever seen it in my life. Yes, the darkness is real, but the light has never been brighter. I've never been more excited about what God is doing uh, in the world and especially in our community. Hmm. That is awesome. And as you, oh, as you were talking, I was thinking about um, in first Peter four and talks about offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Um, and then each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Um, and I feel like your family has always done that very well. Um, one memory I have of experiencing your hospitality since I'm not in Oklahoma. I wish I was sometimes. That will change. <laughs> to experience that more. But, um, but I remember in college when we graduated, uh, I had friends who thought that the graduation party that you and Suzanne hosted was at your home. I said, no, they live in Oklahoma. This is a rented Airbnb. I mean, to a T, I mean, everything was just, I don't know. It's just, it's a gift that you guys have. That's all I know. Um, I will just say that, you know, I know that these young people are just so blessed to be able to have you guys. I'm, I'm interested. I think that one thing is, um, you talked about the person at the coffee shop that maybe normally most people would think like, I'm, I'm not even going to try to share the gospel with them, right? But you, hey, he asked you about it. You shared it with them, right? And then opened up a door. Um, I think that sometimes we shy away from certain people or certain things, whereas if we ask them the right questions, if we ourselves opened it up um, to a conversation about the gospel, you just never know what could happen, right? Um very true. And I have to say, kind of closing thought, maybe. Yeah. You know, one thing that in the marketplace ministry that I've found people always, almost always respond to is even if I'm meeting you for the first time, I'll say often, hey, has anybody told you how much God loves you today? And of course, 99.9% .9 is no. And then I just tell them, well, I just want you to know. He loves you. That's, hmm. that's just very basic. Hmm. That is a seed that God will always water, you know? So just a thought. Has anybody well, told you God loves you today? You've got thank it you. millions of times. <laughs> oh, well, I will say before we go, I do want to know your favorite verse uh, because oh. I always ask people that question. I'm, I'm curious to know what yours is. 
Yes, that's like looking at the Bluebell ice cream frozen <laughs> section and saying, what's your favorite ice cream? I do have some favorites. I would say probably my favorite is Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is received from the words of Jesus, from the truth of Jesus. Hmm. So, man, I just something about that. I love it. And I'll have to give you my life verse. So that's that's a favorite yeah. verse. Okay. One more. This is going to go on my tombstone. My dad's. My dad has on his tombstone Philippians four thirteen. Mine is actually my life verses Philippians three thirteen and fourteen. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the mark to receive the prize for which God has <laughs> called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Whoops, yes. That's so good. Greg, it was great talking with you. And guys, I'll be back on in a couple of weeks. I'll probably have another Grimaud. We'll see. <laughs> Thank you so much, Greg. Oh, it's my honor. So we love you and, and God bless. Thank you, Anna.